When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It's time to catch up with the one and only Janina Kuzma. It's fair to say she's our Winter Olympics GOAT. Yep, Zoe sadowski Senate completed her full set of medals yesterday after incredible effort in the big air, sending it to the very end and just falling short of gold to snag silver. For our 20-year-old, she's got poise, humility and all of the makings to become a great of New Zealand sport, if she's not already, Janina, Janina Kuzma would have been watching on yesterday, no doubt, as a proud former New Zealand Winter Olympian. Janina went to two Winter Olympics and finished fifth in the free ski halfpipe at the 2014 Sochi Games and knows exactly how tough the competition is. And she's with us this morning. I'm sure she's very, very proud. Good morning, Janina. Morning, guys. How are you? We're very good. We're very good. We're up and about, and it's great to see uh, the Kiwi flags flying high on the on the world stage. And uh, Zoe, particularly, she's she's on the forefront of everyone's minds. The name that's just an absolute superstar at such a young age. How how proud are you of our not only Zoe but our whole entire Winter Olympics team? Oh, just so proud! What a team um, these Olympics, and yeah, now Zoe's got the medal trifecta. It's just amazing. Who wouldn't want a gold, silver, and bronze medal up on your wall? Uh, it's just incredible. Yeah, she's doing incredible things on the big stage. How about for for you? Like when you were competing, did you predict this? Did you kind of get an understanding that New Zealand snow sports, particularly, is heading in the right direction? And and did you predict the success that we're getting as of late? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, there's so much funding going into snow sports. So, you know, you would want, you would hope to see medals, you know, in the future. And that's definitely what happened in these Olympics. In the last Olympics, uh, medals are starting to come in. And I think we'll be seeing this from now on with future Olympic teams. Janina, how, how different is it from the early days? You know, when you and Jossie were out there representing New Zealand and um, travelling the world, does it, it, like has the whole high-performance model changed and shifted? Do, do you kind of think back to what it was like when you first started? Well, when we first started, you know, there was the model 
Bristol was was there. We had goals and and dreams to get Olympic medals, but I think the biggest change is the progression within the sport, especially within the last four years with the women. It's just insane. Um, I mean, if you think about it, they're they're only 180 rotation off some of the men's tricks so it's it's just crazy to see where the sport has gone and it's exciting it's so exciting that's exactly what I wanted to ask you about Janita actually the progression and and um you watch you watch the girls like Anna Gasser and Zoe like f- proper senders right like they just are fearless out there can you like we, can you explain to us when you were pushing the limits and in Sochi and, and when you were competing how far it's even come from then and, and how fast the progression really has set in yes well I would say you know when I was competing in Sochi um, you know there were still lots of straight airs and and now and you know you could get away with not grabbing your tricks and now it's just essential you won't even get on the podium if you don't grab your tricks and and then the spin rotation has just increased significantly so um we'll be seeing that in in the pipe competitions coming coming up later on in the week and i mean look at ben barclay he's qualified for the finals today which is just so exciting in the ski slope style and and he's just you know, anyone could win that competition, so it's just going to be such an amazing competition to watch, and we're really excited for him. Sending it later in the week. Can you just tell us what what goes in behind the scenes? Because I'm watching these these girls and these men's absolutely send it, as Louis says, but the, the it has to be perfect. Like the rotations have to be perfect because, like, let's be honest, they can, things could go pear shaped really quick, and they can have a horrific mm-hmm. injury. So, can you tell us what goes on to to be able to 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 get to where they are to actually know that when they're spinning in the air that they're going to land on their feet? That's what I'm trying to say. How how do they go about it? Well, these days with um, with the progression, there's also the technology to be able to do that. So we have. Uh, well, I guess the guys these days have um, airbags and up at Cadrona, they've got an amazing airbag set up with the half pipe and with a big air jump. And that just means that they can hit a big air jump into an airbag, do a trick that they've been working on and put it onto snow pretty much straight away if it's ready to go. And I think these days a lot of a lot of teams and athletes are doing a lot of big air training onto airbags and and that's how these top guys are progressing. And you can see that with all the Japanese riders and and everyone really. If you don't have an airbag set up, you're you're really not in the top of the game. But uh, a lot of people will spend this their pre seasons heading over to Europe where there's an airbag set up in Austria or even in New Zealand. So yeah, that's kind of the way forward these days. Hey Gina, that that it makes perfect sense, right? And uh, I look, I'm really proud of how much investment we've had in, and you said it right at the top about how much investment we've had in snow sports and the high performance model. And these Olympic medals are going to do so much more for that. So you're right; it's never going to be worse than, or the the level is never going to be less than what it is now, um, as far as the the funding goes and what we can actually see these athletes achieve. On the technical side of it, I know you're a skier and Zoe's on snowboard, and we can ask talk about Nico Porteous and a wee bit and our skiers. Are 
is. But what does she do so well? Is there something about her body type, her flexibility, um, her athleticism, or is it just like her technical ability, getting those grabs, as you said? What, what does she do that the field isn't doing? Oh, Zoe's just a fierce competitor. She's just solid. She's ahead of the game. She's got the tricks. And, yeah, I, I don't know. She's just she's just so solid. She's an all-round snowboarder. And I think it's – she also, like, she's an amazing snowboarder, a free rider. So I think she just can do that really well too. And that's what makes her so much better than the rest of her competitors because she can shred – like off the slope scale course. Like you see her up at Treble Cone throwing huge backflips off huge cliffs and stomping <laughs> them, you know? And you're just like, yeah, wow, that girl is special. <laughs> if I was up the aisle, she just sitting under it, like just standing under it, just watching out and going, wow, that is amazing. I've got so much admiration. <laughs> but one thing that comes to mind when, when you speak about not only Zoe, everyone that does ski sports is they're just fearless. You go into that, they just are fearless. They don't have any care in their body uh, for what goes through their bodies. But they are they are obviously pros, so they know what they're doing. So, honestly, I've got so much admiration. Let's talk about some skiing. We've got Ben Barclay racing today. We're hoping, we're hoping, we're going we're gonna to wish him all the best to get some medals or even give themselves a chance to podium. But then later in the week, we've got Nico Porteous. We've got Nico Porteous, who... It's probably another name that, that's pretty synonymous with Zoe Sadowski's in it, you know, one of our big superstars in the sport. What are our expectations for Nico later in the week? Are we expecting him to go out there and shred it and, and get a medal and, and big expectations on the young kid? Yeah, I mean, no pressure on Nico. Yep, definitely everyone's hoping that he's going to come home with the gold gold medal. But um, he's the he just won X Games and threw down and he's had such a successful season and he's the only guy throwing back-to-back 16. So I think we're going to see something really special from Nico in the upcoming days. And not only that, I mean, I think we're going to see four New Zealanders in the finals for halfpipe. So it's just going to be so exciting to watch. We've got Gustav Lignowski. He's only 16 and the youngest male to compete at these games. And I'm just, like, so excited to see him on the world stage. He lives on our street, so we're all, like, <laughs> super excited to cheer him on. And we can't forget also Miguel Porteous. Um, you know, he got a silver medal at X Games in 2017, so he'll be right up there. And then we've got also Ben in the, in the half-pipe skier too. So lots to come and uh, lots to see from these guys and on Thursday and it's just going to be exciting to watch. How good is it, eh? We're just so, we're so all in on the Winter Olympics. Did you see, um, speaking of the, the half-pipe crew, did you see them turn up to the games in their oversized suit with their briefcases? And, like, that, that sort of style and character, you were in the sport for a long time, you still get around these guys. Like, how much is that style? Because that's what the commentators talk about. Oh, she's so stylish and tweak this out and tweak that out. Like, how much is that really a part of it, Janina? Yeah, definitely. Style is a huge part of it. And there are so many different athletes that have their own style and it would be so hard to be a judge judging these uh, these games because each athlete is unique and they they bring their own little tweaks and, and steez to um, their, their runs. And, yeah, it's just – it would be tough. I, I'm glad I'm not a judge. <laughs> Honestly, my, my whole philosophy was look good, 
feel good, play good. So that's what it's about. <laughs> if you look good up on the slopes, you're gonna jump good and you're gonna spin good, flip good, whatever you need to, do to get that to get that gold medal. Oh, honestly, we really appreciate your time on the show, Janina Kuzma. Uh, we're really, really proud of our whole entire Winter Olympics team and. We're proud of you for what you did for our country. So really appreciate your time on Bears and Izzy for breakfast. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. See you, Janina. What a legend, Izzy. And she was she was fierce, man. She used to send it. But did you know something I picked up on there? Um, she said, like, back even in Sochi, they were just doing straight ears in the half pipes. Like, yeah. like think about that. If you, if you think about watching someone literally just do a straight ear, not grab their skis at this Winter Games, the commentators would be, like, dragging them. Mm, yeah, no, they're just constantly evolving. And I know we spoke to Nico um, last year, towards the end of last year, me and you, we had a wee chat to him and we asked him, like, have you got something new that you're going to bring or something different? And he said, just wait and see. Just wait and see what's going to come. And you're, and she just spoke about it. Like, These athletes have to keep constantly evolving, keep pushing the limits and keep making these judges go, wow. The wow factor. What was that? That was something freakish. So that's how they're going to get the points, mate. So um, always evolving, always changing the landscape and always going forward. Never, ever look back. That was Janina <laughs> Kuzma for our McCafe coffee catch-up. She was outstanding. How good was she? It's, 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 it's actually mind-bending because you, you've made the point like – if you were on the slopes and you just saw Zoe Sadowski Senate just cruise into a backflip off, you would be like, it's so hard for people like us to entertain what they're doing. And then you speak to them and they're just like, yeah, you know, it's just kind of what we do. Like, they're just so flatlined about it. And that's why. And actually, if Nico Porteous wins gold, there will be another one name legend Nico. Yeah. Nico, yeah. Zoe, we've had a couple of texts here. Lisa. That's a great one. Um, you yeah. made the point, Sophie. Who are the one-named athletes in, in the world? Uh, Kieran out the back said Messi. Like, that's a great one. Oh, yeah, Messi, Messi. Lisa. See, I, look, no, I love Lisa. Like, Lisa's an absolute champion. Probably go down as one of our greatest of all times. But a name needs a bit of, bit of funkiness to it, you know? Is he? Zoe or, or Nico, you know? That's funky. Whereas, yeah, there's probably a billion Lisas out there. So that, that's why I'm kind of many. But anyway... <laughs> I love it. Lisa Carrington, champion in her own right, like our Winter Olympics teams. They're all very, very good. Coming up, Louis, I'm going to talk some Super Rugby chat. Let's do bit it. Of rest, bit of rest. We'll, we'll lean into this weekend, and uh, we've got a text message quickly coming in. Hi, Izzy. Miss seeing you jogging up the steps of aisle 10 after your halftime sky duties. Tripping on the steps and recovering, acting like nothing happened. True athlete. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Actually, these days it takes me about 10 minutes because that's the kind of shape I'm in at the moment. But anyway, I'll be back shortly to talk some Super Rugby chat as we lead into this weekend's Super Rugby down at Queenstown in Dunedin. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Speaking of harness racing, Izzy, we know New Zealand bloodstock is where winning begins, and it's important to remember that they dominate the standard bred breeding code as well as the thoroughbred. Currently, the standard bred sale is going on down in Christchurch after a very strong showing up at Karaka. The numbers have been promising across the board, and Cam Bray, well, he is the main man pushing it all along for New Zealand bloodstock on the standard bred front, and he'll be looking to finish with a bang today. But before we get into that, Cam... Self-assured, what a get. Oh, huge get for you, Blake, isn't it? It's, it's sensational, sensational. 
he um he can pace, can't he? It's, was he was he sold via New Zealand Bloodstock, or was that was that done differently? Uh, it, it wouldn't have been by New Zealand Bloodstock. It would have been before they entered into it. Um, and I couldn't confirm the design. I'm not sure, mate. Um, I haven't I haven't got the records back that far. But uh, you know, you've got the, you're probably one of the favourite paces. You would think going into it at this stage. Beautiful. That's what we want to hear. Anyway, mate, what I, what I wanted to talk to you about this morning was this uh, standard bread sale you've had going because, uh, look, as far as I can tell from afar, it's been booming and there's been some serious lots and, you know, we expect the flashy money throwing around for the thoroughbreds, but uh, lots of high 200s or mid 200 thousands for some lovely looking betters delights and other sorts of horses. So if you can just give us your first synopsis of how the sale's gone first, um, yeah, what's it been like on the front line? Yeah, well, we come off a very strong sale in Auckland, as you guys alluded to earlier on. It was, uh, it's huge. It's a good sale up there. You know, it's only 134 lots and, and, and probably some of the best pedigrees in the world. We came to Christchurch for the first day, which we have a little wee sale of about 60 trotters. Um, so that's sort of their own separate gate. Uh, it's a little bit of an acquired taste to a lot of people. So that was a that was a little bit disappointing. Um, the clearance rate was back a little bit in bits and pieces. But then yesterday, uh, well, we we're back to the paces, and um, you know it was huge. We, you know, our aggregate for yesterday's session year on year is up close to a million dollars. Uh, average up from forty four thousand to fifty one. Um, you know, the median's up to thirty five from thirty one. The clearance rate is seventy seven percent. So you know, any bloodstock sale around the world, you could clear seventy cent. 77% through the ring, you're going pretty good. Busy here, mate. Um, was that was that because um, Stonewall Stud were just splashing money and buying pretty much everything? Were they out there just <laughs> flaunting it all yeah, and, and putting a, you know, pretty much no, taking it all? Up and about. No, definitely up and about. Stonewall up and about, and he's hard to head off when he wants to buy. Um, <laughs> But like I think the, the, the couple of things, um, good cults, are, uh, you know, they can they can earn you a lot of money, um, and, and the opportunities for these horses are getting greater and greater all the time, um, especially when you end up with you know new races like the race and bits and pieces coming on. Um, and and this this year we have a very limited number of bidders delights um, for whatever reason it being, um, and, and it's just increased their value tenfold, you know. Yeah, beautiful. I've just been doing a little bit of reading and, and just getting a bit of understanding that Christchurch has been flying and I saw Stonewall started just been splashing the money. But what, what what's your take on, on this year? What Do you have a, a little inkling? Because it's fascinating that in a time where there's a COVID pandemic and things that happen, you think people will be saving money, but everyone is splashing money and then out there spending it. Is it just the calibre of horses on offer that that's why you're having so much success and are you expecting the same today? Well, I think it's two things, um, mate. I reckon a lot of it is people. So we, we sort of work on a lot of discretionary income, you know, um, and people can't travel. Um, you know, they bought the sparkle, they bought the Audi. Uh, Want to come buy a racehorse? Um, and, and and the other thing is, I think our, our industry is breeding industry is slowly uh, contracting. Um, so we're having smaller numbers. The demand for racehorses, so guys that are buying horses getting them to trial level and they, and they can perform, they're worth a hell of a lot of money as a racehorse. So we think just a number of um, factors are all sort of lining up for it to be a great result for us all, you know. 
great point on the um, the tr- like the resale of uh, or breaking them in, getting them to the races, showing that maybe racing once or twice or taking them to the trials and then shipping them offshore. We've had some staggering numbers to Australia and North America in the in the harness game, haven't we, Cam? So it's it's um yeah, it's pretty eye watering some of those figures that they're going for. C- can you just explain to us how you decide or who decides which lot is sold at Caracas or Christchurch? That's something I've always wondered with your standard bread sale. Uh, as far as what do you mean by that, Louis? Like, are they lots? are the same horses offered at both sales, or do you just take? Ah, uh, yeah, it's just purely done on the location of the vendors. It's it's not a it's not like the Thoroughbred Book One Book Two. We just yeah. have North Island vendors sell in Auckland, and then our Southern vendors sell here in, in uh, Christchurch. The the difference probably between us and the Thoroughbred sales is that the bulk of our horses are in uh, probably Christchurch and South um, with. You know, we get close to 100 odd yearlings come out of South in each year, so um, that's that's where the, the the differentiation is just purely location. Yeah, okay. I've, I've always wondered about that. And does that do, do most buyers either travel or do they play in both sales? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Probably more so. We see probably more of the Southland trainers buy here in Christchurch, but like the big stables here in Christchurch, they travel to Auckland and vice versa. The big Auckland stables come to Christchurch. So, uh, yeah, we move, you know, like the thoroughbred code, the horses move around just like the trainers do. They they are up and about and all over the place. So, yeah, the, the location of the sale actually really, at the end of the day, doesn't really come into it. I love putting you auctioneers and you sales types on the spot, Cam, because you always seem to perform with the uh, gavel in hand. Now, give us a lot number. Just you take that wherever you want. Give us give us something that either has sold or hasn't sold yet, one that you've loved the whole way through, something that's going to go on to be a great racehorse or a pedigree we should keep an eye on. Give us a lot number to follow. Okay, I'll give you one yesterday because I reckon, you know, although Steve Davis was here selling with us yesterday, I'll tell you, I reckon I sold this out, out of the park here. Lot 295 <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> he'll, love, he'll love me saying that. Lot 295 we sold yesterday for 260000 to Better's Delight Colt out of a sensational race from here and fight for glory. Uh, she won just about every Oaks in Australasia. Uh, and by word, it, it was an outstanding type, that horse. Outstanding. Wow, eh? <laughs> well, I wonder what the commission on that was, eh? Did you, did you, did, did you and, <laughs> yeah. you and uh, old Steve have a little bit of a, a, like a side hustle going on or like a little side competition who can sell the best lot? Is that, is that you? Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's subconsciously we're always at each other. Um, but like I think that makes a great theatre too that we both uh, sort of feed off each other's uh, excitement. We're both pretty excitable sort of people. So, uh, <laughs> it, um, yeah, it works pretty good up there. Well, he he's actually he's actually on the good oil this weekend, Cam. You're going to have to get involved. We're going to have to get you on for a showing with Clado and the lads. So Steve's on this weekend. So we're clipping that audio. That's actually leading the show. Um, so don't worry, he'll, he'll find out about it. Thanks so much for your chat, uh, your time this morning, mate. It's great to see that the uh, the standard bread sales are going well, just like the thoroughbreds and New Zealand bloodstock. As I say, it's always important to remember it's the premier standard bread auction house as well as the thoroughbred. Nzb.co.nz. We'll catch up again soon, mate. Yes, Cap. All the best, boys. I love that. Oh, yeah. That's right. Let's talk some cricket with Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand for the past 10 years. And tomorrow, the Black Cats get back in action after an unusually decent layoff at this point in the summer. The Test Series against South Africa is most definitely the meat in the cricket season sandwich, though. And a series that will test the resolve, 
of a, of a Black Caps eleven that will look a lot different than what we have been used to through recent years. One absolute certainty, however, is Neil Wagner steaming in over and over, spell after spell, determination, just dropping in short balls left, right and centre, aiming for the helmet every single time with, well, facials any athlete will be dying for because he puts in a hell of a lot of effort every single ball. And I'll tell you what, he'll be down in Christchurch and he'll be seeing the covers on the pitch and you'll see what's germinating underneath, and he'll be getting extremely, extremely excited to bowl some absolute seeds down at South Africa. And he's on the line this morning, and we really, really appreciate Neil Wagner. He's up and about. Good morning, brother. Morning, guys. Geez, thanks for the introduction. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one, Wags. but yeah, no, thank you very much. Wags, get up, get up. Test match tomorrow. You must be excited, bud. Yeah, very excited, mate. No, looking forward to it. It's uh, it's always nice to play play a test match, and it's um, yeah, always special to to represent your country. But to play against a quality team in our own backyard is, is yeah something a kid always dreams about. So yeah, looking forward to to the challenge ahead, and hopefully the Christchurch weather will play along with us. Well, hopefully, mate. I'm down in Christchurch. She's been horrible, but we saw a bit of sun yesterday, so that was good to see. The, the predictions are, are bright for a for a solid test match. Um, How's the pitch, mate? What's the pitch looking like? Uh, we were talking to, Bra- um, to Bears the last couple of days about the pitch. Um, obviously, the weather hasn't been playing its part, but you must be excited to maybe get a little green seamer. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's looking pretty good at the moment. It's sort of a typical Hagley wicket. It's, uh, it's sort of what we expect um, from playing down here. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, there was a bit of sun on it yesterday, baking on it. So, um, yeah, covers will be on it now at the moment, which we obviously prefer. Um, but yeah, no, it looks like a typical Hagley wicket, and, and we obviously love playing here. We know the conditions here, and, and hopefully, um, yeah, we can start well on day one and, and exploit those conditions and, and do what we've been doing for a number of years now. It's just nothing changes. We just have to obviously be um, be really good in our in our skills and, and what we do, and um, do it for long periods of time. Hey Wags, it's Louie here, mate. Now you obviously have become or well, taken a lot of wickets, and you've become a bit synonymous with that short ball and, and that fiery kind of short pitch stuff. But the reality is, you're actually a swing bowler, right? And last time, or well, during the summer in the Bangladesh series, pitching it up and getting some awesome movement with the seed, do, does that uh, not annoy you? But do you just like reminding people that you do swing it and you do like bowling on a length? Yeah, I, I do get annoyed of it. <laughs> it's um. Yeah, I don't want to be seen as a as a as a one trick pony. I sort of feel like I've got other skills on offer as well, but it's more summing up the conditions and, and what's in front of me. I think um, it, it ultimately comes down to what the team needs for me and and what sort of role I need to play and, and what the conditions do. If the ball's going to swing and there's some movement on offer, it's uh, obviously you know going to try and exploit those those conditions and, and use it. And if it doesn't, then we're going to refer to to obviously the shorter pitch stuff and and do uh, different ways of skinning the cat. So. Um, I think personally, I mean, yeah, the more you've played and the more confidence you get and the more you try and obviously, uh, I guess, learn and get experience and, and develop your skills, um, you get better at doing those sort of little things and it's something that I've always strived to, to get better at is obviously to get the ball to move and that because ultimately we've got two of the best bowlers in our team um, who can do it in Tim and Trent. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's just trying to find a way of how I can complement them and, and the rest of the attack with Kyle and, and, and be as effective as we can on the day. So it's just summing up those conditions. And, um, yeah, I do love, obviously, pitching it in short, but if the conditions need to swing, then then I'll definitely explore that too. Awesome, mate. I look forward to, to watching you rip in uh, tomorrow, Neil. Uh, 
what's what's it like playing South Africa, particularly for you? And I know Devon's going to be um, potentially facing, you know, the, his country the, of birth for the first time. What's it like? How do you approach uh, playing South Africa? Is it just another series for you, or does it add, does it add a little bit more when you when you're playing against South Africa? Yeah, it is quite weird um, in that sense because I still get asked that, and I feel like I've lived in New Zealand for 14 years now. And, Almost 10 years representing the Black Caps. I feel like, um, yeah, I don't think about it anymore. That well, he, I, I guess um, when I started, I guess my first ever test I played against him there was obviously those sort of thoughts, and it was a bit different and a bit weird. Or, you know, a lot of guys you went to school with and played against and with for a number of years. So, but now, I mean, it's a it's a very much a new look team uh, for South Africa, and a lot of guys that you know, some I do know, some I don't. Um, but yeah, I. I would say, as just as any other test match, um, it's always nice to play sort of the big boys in the sense of like South Africa, Australia, England. It's always a test match you try and get up for, and but every test match is you know ultimately um, extra special. So it's treated like another game, and it's just um, I guess not worrying about the the external ex, the factors outside of the game and just um, control what I do and and obviously wearing that black cap with pride and and, and you know doing my bit for the team. The, the test side, the test 11 in particular, Wags, has been so settled for such a long period of time now, and it's not necessarily unsettled now, but there are some ins and outs with Roscoe leaving, Kane injured, Trent um, about to have a, another baby. With Matt Henry and the bowling unit in particular, Matt Henry coming in, does does your role change at all, or have you kind of thought about how the bowling unit's going to attack as a group? Yeah, um, I mean, we've played a number of test matches now um, in the past where either Timmy or Trent has missed out and, and Matt has come in or, or vice versa and Colin is obviously back in the mix now too. So um, I guess that's a nice thing about our team is, is that obviously strength and, and the depth that we've got in New Zealand cricket now and that's sort of helped us obviously to be where we are today. And um, yeah, I guess it's, it's we know each other quite well. We feed off each other and um, we're really good mates on and off the field. So it's it's about just talking about what we're going to do and how we're going to obviously approach it and, and summing up the conditions real early, um, sharing that information, and then we just obviously adapt to, to what's in front of us. So um, nothing really changed too much. I mean, Matt has been around the squad for years now too, so he knows what's required from him when he comes in, and, and so does the rest of them. So um, it's not like it's a, a hell of a lot different because we've done it before in test matches. And... Um, everybody has always come into the group as seamlessly fit into that role and, and whatever is expected. So, um, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, it's never nice to, to miss your, your star, I guess, um, big performers. Um, I mean, Roscoe will be definitely missed in this team, but there's a lot of young guys coming in, putting their hand up and, and played some really good cricket too. So it's quite exciting for them to, to have that opportunity now to, to stand up and, and fill, I guess, those big boots of a Ross and a Kane and, um, and the same with Trent being away. So uh, I guess that's the exciting point from New Zealand Cricket and, and the depth that we've got at the moment. Yeah, love it, mate. Building depth for the future and someone's going to get that opportunity and, and take it with open arms, mate. We're, we're talking to Neil Wagner from the Black Caps. If you've got any text messages for Neil, text us on double eight double three, and we'll pass those to Neil. We've got a text here for you from Chris Neil. Um, it says, can you ask Neil, who gets the other new ball spot with Trent not playing? Is he playing? the senior bowler card. So <laughs> are you just going to go, throw me that nut and give me a hair <laughs> I, I would have loved to do that. Yeah, no, I definitely would have gone, please give me that, and then I'll tell Timmy I'm coming down one too. Um, but no, no, it's, um, it's sort of been joked about that I'm, I'm with Roscoe leaving now, I'm the oldest in the team, so it doesn't really feel like that. I still feel like I'm acting like the youngest in the team. But um, 
Yeah, no, it's, uh, it just comes down to, obviously, what's required of the team, whatever, I guess, uh, 11 we select and, and who's going to take that. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I look forward to watching that unfold, mate. What's it about Hagley Oval? Hagley Oval always throws up results. You guys have had a lot of uh, success at Hagley Oval. The Black Cats particularly love playing here. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, it's a, it's obviously, I think it's right up there with one of the top three bounciest wickets in the world. So it offers quite a lot of bounce. Um, and I think it's one of our fastest pitches in New Zealand. So as a bowler, you obviously uh, do like those conditions when, when it's faster and, and bouncier. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a shame we're not going to have a crowd. The Hagley crowd has always been, um, you know, phenomenal. The way they get behind us and, and support us. And there's always a good number of people on the bank um, and getting loud with chants and songs, which has uh, always been really encouraging. So we do love play here and we've got a pretty good record here, which we're very proud of and, and hopefully can continue to be. All right, Neil, I'm, 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 I'm recruiting now and I, I've seen you at the Black Clash. I've seen you sitting on the sidelines <laughs> at the Black Clash, mate. Uh, any chance of, of, of representing Team Rugby next year in the Black Clash? I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> There we go. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, go uh, give, just go give Gary a, a little tap on the shoulder and say, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit busy uh, start of Jan next year. Well, Friday, is he, as, the, as Neil said, he's the oldest in the team now. So as the elder statesman, surely you get a little bit of leeway to do that sort of thing. And, and you make a great point about the crowd at Hagley. When Ross took that wicket, we're actually trying to get Ross to have a bowl uh, in the last test series. What, just being out there in, in that moment, how surreal was that whole experience, Neil? Mate, it was unbelievable. It was the first time ever I think I took a ball in New Zealand where the crowd booed um, <laughs> when I had to bowl. And it was, um, yeah, everybody was chanting, obviously, for Ross to bowl, and we all wanted him to bowl. But uh, we also wanted to see Ross off that night and not come back the next morning and, and have a day sesh uh, with him. It would have been a little bit harder. So we were really eager to try and get that wicket before it got too dark or rain coming in. Um, but, yeah, what a what a fitting end to, to an amazing career. Um, it, was a, it was just something that we... We keep talking about till today. It's just um, you couldn't have scripted any better, or you can, you know, write about it. It's just, it's yeah, for him to come in and, and bowl in, in the way it all unfolded um, was pretty special. The crowd got right behind it, and and uh, yeah, pretty special moment for Ross, obviously. So it was a, a nice fitting end to his career, and something that is great memories have always lasted all of us. Yeah, it was absolute champion, mate. We love Roscoe here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Absolute champion. One of the greats. Quickly, last question before I let you go. We've got a text message come through. Wags, where did you get your big ticker from? Your big heart, mate. <laughs> oh, tough one. I don't even know how to answer. I think it's just um, obviously love for and passion for playing playing for my mates and, and, and the guys around the team and, and obviously representing your country. You know, how, you know how much hard work you've put in and I guess the blood, sweat and tears that... that and the sacrifices coming to to be here and to do what you do, um, yeah, it all just uh, adds up to that. So, um, yeah, it's it's I always wear my heart on my sleeve a little bit and, and play with a lot of pride and, and passion, and it's um, it's it's something you never take for granted as representing country. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I, that I love doing is, is bringing that passion in and, and showing what it means, obviously, for me to to play for New Zealand. Oh, awesome, mate. You're a humble man and you're an absolute champion. Go well in the next couple of days. It's just started Thank drizzling here, mate. So uh, <laughs> hopefully the wicket doesn't get too too wet and too uh, distracted for you, mates. But hey, good luck tomorrow in the next couple of days. We'll be watching and supporting you from afar. Thank you very much, Izzy. Thank you, Lou. Appreciate it, mate. Cheers, Wags. What a legend, Izzy. Great question there as well. Where do you get your big ticker from? He's just got so much mana, Neil yeah. Wagner, doesn't he, Is 
He does. He does, mate. He's got to, honestly, he'll be bowling like eight over spells, ten over spells, and every time he's sprinting in, sprinting in like full forty meter shuttles for six for six times and over. And mate, it just shows the termination grit and that just shows what, what it really means for him to wear that fern on his chest. And that fern, mate, honestly, it makes you superhuman. It makes you superhuman. It makes you feel like you can do anything and you can beat anyone. And that's what Neil Wagner emphasises when he's out there on the, on, on the field, mate. So great to talk to Neil Wagner and uh, the Black Cats will be supporting them from afar. That was our Razine cricket catch-up with Black Cat um, Neil Wagner. Oh, he's an absolute champion. Anyway, we'll be back shortly. 